Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. All this week, we are revisiting conversations about some of the most exciting work of 2021. Today, we're looking back on the world of art. Before the break, we heard from an exciting young artist. And now we'll hear about a career retrospective of the 91-year-old abstract expressionist Jasper Johns, a true legend. Right now and until February 22nd, his works are getting the full treatment at not one, but two influential museums. It is called Jasper John's Mind Mirror, and you can catch it at the Whitney and at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. If you can visit both, you really should. I did, and they are quite different, yet complement each other so beautifully. Together, the joint retrospective puts more than 500 works from Jasper John's 65-year career on display, including some that have never been seen before. The curators wrote in the exhibit's catalog that they, quote, have not approached this retrospective as a straightforward reconstruction of an oeuvre or a rote reaffirmation of its putative greatness. Rather, we have attempted to segment it into pointed, discontinuous chapters that rekindle a sense of brisk curiosity in both the works and their beholders. I spoke with the curators of Jasper John's Mind Mirror back in September when it opened at both museums. So to close out our year-end look back at the art world of 2021, here's my conversation with Scott Rothkopf, Senior Deputy Director of the Whitney, and Carlos Balsualdo, Curator of Contemporary Art at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, about their joint Jasper Johns retrospective, Mind Mirror. Carlos, when did it become clear to you that this was an exhibit that could or would or even needed to span two museums in two cities? You know, I think that from the very beginning, we, we wanted to work together. We we felt that uh, by working together, we would be able to bring so much to the work and to the viewers' uh, uh, apprehension of the work and that uh, uh, the different contexts of the museums and certainly show all the work in its glorious variety, all, everything that Jasper has been done through the use of different mediums and so forth. Uh, the structure, the mirroring structure came really from the work itself, as Jasper has been using that so uh, consistently throughout his career. So the challenge was, can we structure an exhibition that by its very, the very way in which it is constructed, is able to say something about the work. Yeah, Scott, let's talk about that challenge that you addressed in the catalog when you think about how well-known Jasper Johns is and how immediately identifiable the work is. What was the thought process and some of the conversations about how can we present this in a way that is new and fresh so it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a greatest hits? Yeah, that was really important to us. I mean, first of all, Jasper is a living artist. He's 91 years old. He's still making new work. The most recent work that we have in the exhibition is actually dated 2021. It's a print at the Whitney. And I think we both felt all along that this is a body of work that was so... Um, 
risky and curious and experimental and even in some regards scandalous when it was first shown in the 1950s. But it's hard for people to retrieve that often because things kind of settle down into an image, you know, from a postcard or an art history book. And so we really thought that we wanted to present these iconic works alongside works that were very little known or some of them had never been seen before. And at the same time as we were thinking about the selection of the works, to think of kind of new lenses through which to to view this art so that we could kind of make it feel fresh for new audiences. Carlos, you said Jasper Johns is like a, quote, powerful ghost. What does that mean? Huh. Did I say that? <laughs> uh, well, well, we're <laughs> certainly being haunted by him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that the, the work is haunting in many ways. But by haunting, I mean that it stays in your mind and mm-hmm. that it makes you think. Uh, I think that the work combines, uh, you know, its extreme beauty because uh, Jaster is such an amazing craftsman and the works are so beautifully built, you know, and they're so seductive. But at the same time, the way in which the works relate to each other, you know, it it puts in motion some sort of mental mechanism and it, it really traps you. And as Scott said, we wanted to be able to, you know, reconstruct that the sense of excitement that the work first produced and also transmit the excitement that the new work that he's making produces in us. Because, you know, that's something to be said. I mean, he's, you know, these last 20 years have been extremely fruitful in his over and he's producing extraordinary works. We're discussing Jasper John's Mind Mirror. I'm speaking with the Whitney Scott Rothkopf and Carlos Basualdo from the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Okay, so Scott, when you when you enter at the Whitney and you the door the elevator doors open up, there are so many paintings. <laughs> you know, you didn't opt for like just one big classic like a giant flag when we come out. You see so much when you walk out and and enter this exhibit. What went into that decision? Well, what you're actually seeing are 34 prints from the early 1960s until today. And you're right to point out that it's really different from how we usually open shows like Julie Maritou, Mm -hmm. which was on the floor before Jasper or Andy Warhol. We often look for that kind of biggest hero painting. And, um, you know, I thought it would be interesting in this case to show this kind of range of motifs, the diversity of ways of making that Jasper's explored throughout this period almost like a preview of the exhibition or like a coming attraction to a movie. You're going to get all in one fell swoop or kind of blink of your eye, this mind, the kind of mirror of this mind and the various motifs he's worked through. Um, So it is a kind of different way of starting, and it's a a pendant to how the uh, prints are presented in Philadelphia, where they're arranged actually according to chance. Hmm. Um, So that's just one example of how we took complementary approaches to sometimes presenting similar bodies of work. Carlos, what's the effect of seeing so much of Jasper John's work in one place? Well, I think that, you know, I was talking to um, a very nice group of people who came from the Menil collection in Houston, and they had just been to New York and came to Philadelphia and said that they were mesmerized because they didn't feel that they had enough. I mean, that they still were hungry for more, that each of the museums gave them a very good sense of what the work is about, but they felt that the experience really complemented each other. And I think that that is also my experience, and, and I'm sure that I can speak for, for Scott as well. I mean, we, um, you know, we ended up feeling that the variety of the work, that the extraordinary courage of the sort of exploratory nature of what Jasper did is is something that, you know, keeps giving you more and Mm -hmm. you feel like uh, you're ready to keep looking at the work. 
Let's talk about the flag. So the legend goes that in 1954, Jasper Johns dreamed that he had painted an American flag, and the next day he woke up and did so, and obviously kept doing so. The Whitney features the three flags from 58. Now, Scott, the flag, at the time, John said the flag was sort of a neutral symbol of America, but that's really not the case today. Did that factor into how you curated the, the show at all, what the flag has come to mean for different people? Uh, certainly, and I'm not sure that it was ever a neutral symbol mm. <laughs> in the 50s or even yes, since yes. it was first created. I mean, I think maybe what Jasper meant about that was that he was trying to, he, he always sort of disavowed the idea that he was making a comment on mm-hmm. American society or culture, that it was just this everyday object that he seized on. And I sort of believe him, but only to a certain extent. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be a coincidence mm-hmm. that two of, let's say, the five or six early motifs he developed both have to do with this country, flags and maps. And Carlos and I were really conscious of that when you brought those those symbols or motifs together in a certain place, particularly the Whitney Museum of American Art, which is dedicated to the art of the United States, we could really push um, the idea of how these um, works open up a variety of reflections on this country. And one of the ways we did that was to divide the flags and maps in color and in black and white so they're facing each other. And maybe when you look at the colorful ones, you feel a kind of optimistic sense about this country, maybe an idea of patriotism. And when you look at the really dark black ones or pale white ones, you feel like there's a promise that hasn't been fulfilled or maybe a malevolence in how this country treats sometimes its citizens or other people in the world. And I think the fact that the room can conjure all those different responses really says a lot about the greatness of this work. Carlos, did you want to add something? Uh, I think that uh, Scott was, was from the beginning very attuned to the emotional uh, tone and quality of the work, and that is tremendously uh, 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 that, that that enriches, you mm-hmm. know, the perception of the work tremendously. And I think that uh, is very clear in, in the, the way in which the flags are treated in the flag room, the flags and maps, because it's something that uh, you really feel that there's. Um, a whole emotional density there to be explored that in many ways, you know, is still a reflection of, of our country now. I think that, mm-hmm. as Scott has said, you know, uh, it's very likely that the, 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 the country was has been divided for a very long time. But looking at that room from the perspective of today becomes very poignant. So Scott- yeah, you know, Alison, when we originally thought the show would open just a few weeks before the last presidential election, and that notion uh. of the country being divided, let's say, um, was felt very powerful for us. And in retrospect, it also could have felt a little bit too on the nose because, in fact, these works, many of them were made when the country was struggling with a prior civil rights movement or mm-hmm. the war in Vietnam. And so it's these are really enduring symbols and, and paintings that kind of feel refreshed depending on who's standing in front of them, whenever that might be. Scott, I have to ask, on the subject of flags, this was actually one of my favorite parts of of the Whitney exhibition, is this room with correspondence that is incredible. There are letters from people just livid that the Whitney spent a million dollars on 1983 flags, uh, which was a record price for a work by a living artist at that point. They are so funny back and forth between the curator at the time and people writing in from like New Mexico to express their distaste. Um, I'm curious why you included these and do you have a favorite comment from that time? 
Yeah, well, it's probably not standard curatorial practice to include angry letters about works of art that have become icons of your collection. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we did it for two reasons. One is that, you know, both our museums, the Philadelphia Museum and the Whitney, have incredibly long and rich and very intimate relationships with with Jasper Johns. And Carlos and I could only have done the work we did because of those histories and the people who came before us. And you know, he went to Philadelphia with Rauschenberg to discover the work of Duchamp. And as he said um, in a, a, a remarks he wrote for our opening, he's one of few people alive who can remember all four Whitney museums, including our first location on 8th Street. And we thought that if we delved into that history of his relationship to the institution, the people who worked here, um, we could give visitors a little bit of a kind of peek behind the curtain as to what goes into making a show. And I, I do love that exchange because, of course, in retrospect, a uh, million dollars for the three flags seems like it was probably a pretty good buy, um, <laughs> considering uh, what is, is irreplaceable today. But, you know, it shows the museum also at a point of conversation, and that's what we want to be, a nexus of, you know, sometimes debate, sometimes, um, you know, praise, depending on what art we're showing and the fact that this art could elicit those responses, even at that point, 25 years after it was made, or 22, shows the kind of, you know, the, the liveliness of Jasper's uh, work in the popular imagination. It was so funny. It just reminded me of a, a Twitter war, only analog, exactly. very long. <laughs> In our archive. <laughs> Carlos, I'm going to ask you, the, it's a bit of an obvious question, but I, I'm very curious about the answer. How did you come up with the name Jasper John's Mind Slash Mirror? It went through different iterations, but it was a reflection of how collaborative the process was. And, you know, I think that there was a first suggestion and then a counter-suggestion, and then Scott and I ended up with something that we both liked. And that that's very much how we work throughout, throughout the exhibition, you know. And uh, I think that, the, you know, we brought to the table different things, and they got mixed, and we kept adding and added that up to a point in which we were not able to recognize, you know, who had brought what, or, you know, at times we were not able to recognize ourselves either. But <laughs> I, I think... Oh, did we lose Carlos? Hello? I think we lost Carlos. I'm here. Okay, Scott, you okay. hang on. I'll well, I can it. add just one more thought about that, sure. which is that the title, Mind Mirror, you know, it kind of works a couple of ways for this show. We wanted to get that idea of mirroring because the two exhibitions in mm -hmm. Philadelphia and New York mirror one another, even though it's, it's one show in these two parts. But also that we were kind of giving different reflections on Jasper's turns of mind so that in, in different galleries you would hopefully have some insight into how he thought and how he worked and thought in his work. And so that is a little bit where that mind mirror play comes from. So Carlos, what is something you'd like them to take an extra 15 seconds and spend time with? I think that, uh, you know, I say that the most interesting thing for me happens when you go to one show and then you go to the other and mm -hmm. you think about both. And that is really, I mean, that was my experience, you know, and I'm still thinking about, you know, the shows and they're still very much in my mind. So I think that the, the invitation to the viewer is to be present in each of the exhibitions, but then to just contemplate what happens when one is, you know, uh, detached, when mm -hmm. one has... It's outside both museums and, and thinking about the connection between the shows. Scott, is there any particular part of the show at the Whitney that you would suggest people spend just a little more time with? Yeah, I hope people really spend time with the drawings and the prints. Um, this was something that was really important to both Carlos and me to foreground in this show. You know, a lot of times you see a big show like this and 
everyone's focused on the paintings, which are great, but so much of Jasper's work has happened on paper, where mm-hmm. you see his mind kind of at work and his sort of active discovery and curiosity in motion. And I think this will be some of the most satisfying parts of both shows if people really give time to them. That was my conversation with Scott Rothkoff, Senior Deputy Director of the Whitney, and Carlos Basualdo, Curator of Contemporary Art at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. The two-museum exhibit, Jasper John's Mind Mirror, runs until February 22nd.